from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. This is a, a vote that people had to die for. This is a vote that people had to cry for. Hardship just to get a chance to vote, which makes no sense to me because the Constitution had already given us that right. What is it about the black and brown skin that makes it so hard that our vote can't be counted? So when I was seeing this little light of mine, I was saying, tell the governor wildly, I'm gonna let it shine. Those are the things that keep us going. I'm Sarah Funsky. Betty Mae Fikes marched with Martin Luther King Jr. She spent weeks in jail for protesting. She was there on the Edmund Pettus Bridge during the violent events now known as Bloody Sunday. The organizer of that march, John Lewis, became a close friend. And she was there at his funeral where she lifted her voice in song. Lead me on to the light. And that is Betty Mae Fikes, known as the voice of Selma, singing at the funeral of Congressman John Lewis in July of 2020. And next week, Betty Mae Fikes comes to Rolla. She'll speak at a special event at Missouri University of Science and Technology. It's hosted by S&T's Student Diversity Initiatives and the Chancellor's Committee for Diversity and Inclusion. That event is free and open to the public with a donation to the campus's food pantry. And Betty Mae Fikes joins us today to give just a little preview. Betty Mae, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And good morning to you. Good morning to you. You're out in California. It's a little bit earlier there, but but we're grateful for you being able to join us today. And, you know, hearing your voice, I understand your mom was a gospel singer. When did you realize you also had a gift? Well, I don't think I realized it. I was just pushed into it. (laughs) This was something you had to do. It was something I had to do. My mother was a singer and a gospel singer. So, you know, back in the 60s, well, before the 60s, the church and Christianity was the thing. So it was something I had to do. And did you enjoy doing it? Well, that's what I'm saying. I had to do it, but I ended up enjoying it. It's it's a bigger part of my life than my life, I think. Mm-hmm. It's definitely made you a name. Um, but, you know, in addition to your voice, um, as a teenager in Selma, you joined the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, also known as SNCC, pushing for civil rights. What got you involved with that? Well, I had never 
really heard the story, didn't know the plight of the blacks. I knew what was happening in the 60s and earlier part of the 50s because my mother had moved from Selma to Detroit, to Detroit. So not only the first move that we made to Detroit, but by her being a gospel singer and traveling, I could see the difference but did not understand. So and you you saw the, the difference that the way things were in Selma wasn't necessarily the way they had to be. Yes. Yes. Didn't know what caused it. Didn't know it was a black and white issue until movement people came to Selma. And I found out more about my history uh, than ever before. The question was asked to the students. We were coming home from school this particular day, and this young man stopped us and asked us if we knew whether or not our parents had the right to vote. And, and the student, I thought, we all, all our parents had the right to vote. They know the difference. So these are the things that brought me into the movement. The question, that was the first question that was asked of us that I didn't understand, and I had to find out. And so when they asked you, do you know your parents have the right to vote? Um, At that point, they made it almost impossible for people like your parents to vote. When did you begin to understand this bigger picture? And, hey, we're looking for foot soldiers in this movement. Well, at first I thought when it started, we were just passing out leaflets and pamphlets on doorposts and doorsteps, the people to come to the meetings to hear these people talk. I didn't take it serious mm-hmm. because I didn't think we had a problem. And when did that... I was Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was saying, for as I was concerned, the black and white got along just fine. As far as I was concerned, the black was able to vote just like the white. As a student, I didn't understand none of those things until SNCC people came to Selma. And so you began to understand then the situation. When did you understand that this work that seemed so simple at first, things like passing out leaflets and and things like marching, when did you realize this was actually dangerous? Well, it was a while because everything went, not to say unnoticed, everything went along fine. And it was fine with me because I don't tell too many people. It was a reason for me to have something else to do other than going to church so much. <laughs> it's just about five to seven days a week. I didn't think it to be serious until we had all gotten together, going out in different parts of the county, teaching people that was illiterate how to read the ballot. <laughs> and finding out then with the mass meetings that it was getting so hyped up that the police was getting very nervous and put us all on curfews. Mm -hmm. So we had to slip out. But doing all of that, I still didn't think that it was, you know, to the point that brutality was set in. And when I seen that that particular day, after all the fighting we had done, not fighting, but just trying to register people to vote, just trying to protest peacefully, 
when I found out that these people were serious about keeping black people in bondage. Mm-hmm. And when I found Willis C. in a state of blood just because she wanted to go into Carter Drugstore and order, not, not order, but sit at the counter. And Mr. Carter told him that no blacks were allowed at the counter. The question was asked, why is it that we can come into your store and buy your products, but we can't sit at your counter and eat a hamburger and drink a Coke? Mr. Carter told him to leave. Willis, he did not leave. And he was viciously hit in the head with a billet club. That was my first time seeing that these people are really serious. Hmm. And it was nothing done about that. You can do these things to us, and it's nothing that we can do about it. And when King had told us to be nonviolent, well, you know, that's a bitter pill to swallow. To see your mother, your brother, sister, viciously beaten, and there's nothing you can do. So those are the things that Slick brought into Selma and brought into my life. And I'm still playing a part of that in my life today. So you became known as the voice of this movement, that you would sing these gospel songs, but you changed the lyrics to inspire the people who were out marching and, and doing this work. Can you give us an example of one of the lyrics you changed? Okay. Governor Wallace was the governor of Alabama, and he had stood up and, you know, uh, and demanded that no black, would ever enter, like, University of Alabama, things like that. So when I was seeing this little light of mine, I was saying, tell the governor wildly, I'm going to let it shine. So these, the people that I was, that, you know, was brutalizing us, not only our bodies, but our minds and our spirits, I brought all these people into the song. Carol Rose Burnett. Governor of Mississippi, we're going to let it shine. Tell Alwingo, we're going to let it shine. Everywhere we go, we're going to let it shine. So those were the songs of our oppressors. Hmm. So I understand you ended up doing three weeks in jail and that while you were in jail, you enlisted a whole bunch of other people to sign up for this movement. How were you able to do Uh, that? Well, I don't know. I don't know what it is about that. It makes a little friendly personality. But it was a call worth a a cause worthwhile. And it was it was so funny that uh, R.D. Hudson Hyde was out of high school, and a particular day before we went to jail, we went through the schools, every floor, every classroom, telling the kids you got to come out. Kids was coming out, running out in protest. We all ended up in jail. And the problem with uh, Betty, I don't know who came up with this brilliant idea that our famous Judge Rump was asking the question, who was our leader? 
to show, he was looking for us to see Martin Luther King. And in jail one night, we came up with the idea of when the question was asked to say, my mother feeds me and Jesus leads me. That's a great answer it, right there. Did, did that just stop him in his tracks? Well, it stopped me. I guess I was the only one because he kept sending me back. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you ended up doing three weeks in there, huh? <laughs> yes. That's that little black bee that do all that singing, send her back. <laughs> and because I wouldn't say yes, sir, no, sir, send her back. <laughs> well, Betty Bay, you I became the trustee. <laughs> you have some amazing stories here, and I know that, that people um, are going to want to come to Rolla to hear you tell those stories next week. We have full information about that on our website, and we want to stress that this is free to attend. All you have to do is bring a donation to the food pantry. Uh, just look up stlonair.show. We also have that posted on our Twitter, at stlonair, and you can see Betty Mae Fikes tell these stories in the flesh. I just want to <laughs> ask you one other question here today. Uh, you know, the Democratic-controlled House just approved a measure that combines two big voting bills, um, the Freedom to Vote Act and the John Lewis Writing, Voting Rights Advancement Act. You got into this because they were trying to get voting rights to people who lived in Selma. There's been a lot of talk about these bills. President Biden compared this dispute over voting rights to the historic fight between civil rights activists and segregationists. Yes. Do you think he's right yes. about that? Yes. Yes. We have fought this fight for so long. And I don't think people have noticed that even though the Voters' Rights Act have been signed, but they have snatched little by little away until they're trying to snatch it all away. This is a, a vote that people had to die for. This is a vote that people had to cry for. Hardship just to get a chance to vote, which makes no sense to me. Because the Constitution had already given us that right. What is it about the black and brown skin that makes it so hard that our vote can't be counted? So now here we are fighting the same fight all over again. I just sung in October, which made me shed a lot of tears. Harriet Tugman, Frederick Douglass, their birth ground for a weekend, and listening to the story and singing again. And I realized we're still fighting the same fight. When will this end? When? Do we get tired or do we go on? So the voters' rights bill is for everybody to have a right to this thing we call the tree of life. And that is for all of us to feel as one. We all as one. I, I just cannot understand, even though I still fight for it. I cannot understand the reason why that it is so hard for people to not understand the importance of a black vote. Our vote. We have a voice. So the thing we say today, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. So a lot of us came out in the 60s and thought we had made it. We had 
turned up the ground, and we had turned the world around. And look at us today. So we all still say, to God be the glory. That is what always kept us going, a reason to walk by faith. And we're still here walking. So and saying, ain't going to let nobody turn around. Those are the things that keep us going. And these are the stories that I have to tell. Because I'm not singing for Martin Luther King today. He's known all over the world. I sing for the unsung heroes who laid their lives down for this cause and names have been forgotten. That's why I still do the things I do today. Not only that, someone did it for me. Look at John Lewis. I hung with John from 15 up until 2020. Feeding off him. Well, Betty Mae Fikes, I want to thank you so much for joining us today and and sharing just a bit of your story. And again, I want to encourage people, if they're interested in hearing more from Betty Mae, she will be at the Missouri University of Science and Technology in Rolla next week, um, giving an address that is free for the public to attend. Again, we have details at stlonair.show. Betty Mae Fikes, thank you for joining us today. Thank you again, and thanks for the invite. And I will say We all have a blessed day. Today's episode was produced by Sarah Fenske with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.